Hello, welcome back to another edition of the European Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here with my man Tom Jacobs. Tom, how's it going? It's good. This is a it's a beautiful week. It's one of those weeks where absolutely no one in the world wants to uh, bet on this kind of golf, and uh, this is going to be our best information, I think. No, I honestly, I tune up for these type of events. They're the ones where, you know, 150 to one pays across the board. If it's Cameron champ at the three M, if it's somebody in the Olympics, if it's somebody in the challenge tour or an event that is uh, a mix of everything, like we see this week um, at the ISPS Honda world invitational. Um, so we saw quite a victory yesterday for Nacho. Nacho Elvira uh, did everything he could not to win that on the 18th <laughs> hole, sadly, with a three putt from 18 feet. But Harding returned the favor in the playoff. A little bit sad that my 1,500 one to tip was done by the time I woke up on Thursday morning. But like I mentioned, 1,498 more chances at these. So <laughs> a lot more to go. Um, but no, excited to dive into this week's uh, field as, again, we see some value across guys and some lesser tours that are getting opportunities, um, as well as dive into a little bit of the Olympics that are coming up with a certain Italian bound for the podium. So um, we'll be playing at Galgorm Castle Golf Course. Um, this is our golf club. This is last seen at the Irish Open in 2020, where John Catlin was your winner. Also a frequent course on the Challenge Tour was played also on the Challenge Tour just last year too, where Tyler Covisto, I believe that's how you pronounce it, not great at that, um, but he came out of absolutely nowhere on the Challenge Tour, his first ever OWGR start, won the event by two, and then in previous years, we have seen it on the Challenge Tour with Jack Senior, Callum Hill being some of those winners at this course, but Tom, what is some insight into what they'll be facing this week? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's pretty resourcey, it's nothing too difficult, I don't think, um, you know, as you said there, we've, we've had a couple of different events that they kind of, I suppose you could chalk this up as a bit of a gimmicky event, you know, you've got sort of two fields there and, and all those sort of things, but it's one of those ones to grow the game, it's fine, it's good. Um, we've got a slightly, I guess, improved field, if you want to call it that this week, because of some of the guys that sort of missed out on the Olympics and, and are just going the European Tour event. Um, so the, the top of the market with Andy Sullivan, Justin Harden, Nori Cantor, Armitage, Fahey, John Catlin, there's some guys here. Um, Catlin obviously won on this golf course last year. Um, there is some guys here that uh, that do are of interest and are people that we need to follow. But uh, I'll certainly be starting my card a bit further down. Yeah, I think Justin Harding to me is the one who is as in riper form as you really can get. Obviously, made a little scare of it at the Open Championship, and then the week prior, you know, losing out. Well, uh, just last week, but he has been, you know, a consistent first page on the leaderboard, of course, you know, getting down to 11 to one odds. I, I debated Aaron Rye last week at 18 because I thought similar trends were happening in 18, maybe a little bit of value into there, but 10 and 11, you know, for Sullivan and Harding it is just too much of an ask for me. However, um, I've structured my card a little bit different. We're going to align on our second pick, but I am going to go with what I'd refer to as the defending champion at this course. Go back to John Catlin here. You know, Catlin is a golfer who I kind of deem as one of those prolific winners, somebody who has had success at, at every single level, finding the winner's circle. 
you know, we saw it, you know, twice just last year in what a three week span, I believe yeah. that was, or a short span with this victory. Um, and then, you know, early on this year, outdoing Maximilian Kiefer in that long playoff that we got lucky to come out with that winner. But Catlin just seems to be finding the ball striking um, recently that brings back this light. And at 28 to one, you know, you could argue against him versus, you know, Kawamura, Armitage, Cantor. You know, he's not to the Harding types, but I don't think he's two and a half times the odds, you know, versus him and Sullivan, where, you know, the, the amount of victories between the three Catlins right there. So in my opinion, we've seen the strokes can approach even when he missed the cut at the Scottish Open leading into the Open Championship was really good from a ball striking perspective last week. Again, continue that form. I'm not a course history truther, so to speak, but enough value into 28 to one that to back him there, uh, he's my pick of the litter at the top of the board. Yeah. And it's, it's, like you say, it's not so much being a course truth as you like, but you know, it's, it's never going to be really because all of my guys have kind of got a bit of course history here, but we know he can do it. And as we've said before on him, there was a, there was a kind of knocking in that he could only play one side of golf. He was better at tough events. I mean, that's all we've thrown out him there. We know he's quite versatile. Um, he certainly has tons of guys around him in the betting. Um, and like you say, he's not, you know, more than twice likely to win as, a, as Justin Harden. I think Andy Sullivan's slightly different kettle of fish. Um, if he turns up, he, you know, he can win. He's, he can win by, by a distance. But uh, yeah, I, I really do like him, John Catlin. Uh, I'll start my guard a bit further down as we just come to. Um, and this is more on potential in uh, in Santiago Taro, Ben Santiago Taro. Um, you know, he's just been in the form of his life. Um, and he is 30 years of age. It's not like he's a, he's a newcomer, um, but he has certainly found his form. You know, he's not finished outside the top five in his past seven starts in the Challenge Tour. Uh, and the well, one, he's finished once outside of the top five, sorry, and it was a 16th place finish. Um, so, you know, absolutely ridiculous. He should be at the Olympics, but for a, uh, a committee error on Spain's part, um, he was going to take John Rahm's space. So uh, he was seventh on his golf course uh, in 2019 at the Northern Irish Open. So for me, you know, this is a guy who's got two wins in his last seven starts, you know, not clearly outside the top five. The tied 16th could have been slightly better as well. Um, I, I make it that he could have probably won four times since the, the grand final, and including that last year as well. Um, once in Cape Town as well on Sunshine Tour. So it's not as if he, you know, can't play anywhere else. There is the concern that he's never really finished higher than sort of 40th, I think, on the European Tour. But, you know, guys need to be in that, you know, in that firing line when they're in form. He's, he's a changed golfer as this, as this last year's gone on. And uh, we'll see how he makes a step up. This is a nice way to ease yourself into a European Tour field, I would say. Oh, it's perfect. It's it's the exact opportunity you dream for as somebody in his form to get on the European tour. And I mean, he's going to have status next year based off of what he's done on the challenge tour, but to make a run, you know, at playing this year to continue that form, that is a great point that I never thought of. He is the next Spanish golfer in the OWGR ranking. So did he declined his offer or what did they probably uh, couldn't they, get there they, in time? They, they, did they, they say? They, they got the paperwork wrong or something. There was something basically he should be there. And there's been quite a quite an upset about it among the Spanish players that he, he should have been there. So it's uh, wow. it's a bit of a bit of a mess. But uh, I don't quite know what it was. It, I, I imagine it's something so they couldn't get there in time or weren't happy with how he didn't have got there in time. You know, Patrick Reed's going to get there and not see the golf course and maybe Spain just didn't want to do that. Um, throw a guy I thought Campillo. I thought Campillo's going. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's I have no idea. I have interesting. No idea what's going on. So, but 
That's yeah, the Olympics I, this year, right? <laughs> for sure. But regardless, I am with you on this pick. I, I normally don't structure a card with two golfers really up here, but I, I just think there's too much to kind of put aside when you look at that form. Um, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Six out of those seven events are all inside the top five, just a ridiculous run one sixteenth, you know, that you can really put, pick apart. And there is the seventh at the challenge tour event last year with that Koi Visto one. So yeah, it's just those, these are the type of the golfers we like to take the chance on. You know, there was some talk on Twitter, potentially is that number two short. Um, it's short enough that it makes you double take, but enough, I think juice in there, if it was 28s, 25s, um, you know, that, that to me is a, a bit bigger of an ask, but 33s, I still felt confident in, you know, the one that you kind of compare, I guess, in a sense would be the up and coming of Vincent Norman, what he's continued yeah. to do, um, outside of a 10 on his last hole on Saturday really, you know, should have had an easy top three, four, five finish, um, managed to still sneak out, uh, a 10th place, but, you know, we see him closer into the 25 to 28s, but. I just, you know, we'll take a little bit more juice to get into uh, Tario uh, for me as well. As we go down the card, I'm taking a giant gap until I'm really getting into anybody. Uh, but I know there's a couple golfers you're sticking with in this mid range. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't completely decided on, on these two guys in terms of definitely opting for them just because of their, um, you know, their approach numbers are not quite where I want them to be. But Jack Senior um, is a previous course winner. Um, as we know, he's been playing pretty well. He made the cut the open um, and, and was pretty good there for, for what I saw. Um, shot the ball nicely um, and, and has been playing some good golf on the European Tour. My, my kind of concern with him is when he's got in contention, he's kind of hit the reverse gear quite quickly. Um, and Richard Banson as well is someone that we talk about an awful lot. Um, you know, he was ninth in the strokes game approach last week, which is which is a good number for him. Um, you know, normally does all his damage off the tee. Probably the best, if you know, one of the best, if not the best, um, off the tee in this uh, in the field. And you know, I think Laurie Cantor may be up there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I say, he's got that course win. Whether that means anything, I don't know. But he was kind of trending right to contend and be in chance of winning in, in recent weeks. So I think that you know both of those guys at the kind of 55, 60s numbers, I think they were, um, what you know, were pretty good to look at. But my one that I'm really kind of keen on. Uh, is David Law. Um, he's played some really, really good stuff, um, you know, in recent weeks. He's made his last six cuts in the European Tour, seventh at the Porsche European Open. Again, it sort of ended on the 54 hole mark, so we don't quite know what he was on the final round. You know, could be a blessing in disguise that he finished seventh. Could have been, you know, could have gone up and contended. Um, you know, 18th last week at Celtic Manor and the first and fifth at the Scottish Open, which I was thought was really impressive. Uh, the strength of that field, I know it's kind of a home event for him, um, but he was tied eight. He was only four back going into the final round. Uh, and there were some big, big names in that field, as we know. Um, you know, so people that were basically going on to contend in the major championship the following week. So I think that that result, that tied 35th, although it's the worst of those bunch I just mentioned, uh, really does kind of suggest that he can have a, a real good go of things. And he's got an eight, a 12th, and a 35th on his golf course as well. One of my favorite things about David Law this year is if you remember, they had to push back the 54 hole event when they had to go to Germany because of travel restrictions and they got everybody together that next day um, to play in like an 18 hole fun match, all the guys that were stuck there. And again, little things of form. David Law shot like 10 under that day to finish like second in this 18-hole match. And he is a former ISPS Honda champion um, at the Vic Open that 
arguably was like out of nowhere. He was probably close to four figures that yeah. week at the Vic open where he has crossed the line before. Um, so yeah, he's been somebody that you wake up and you see him, you know, six under through 12 holes on a given day. And it feels like, okay, enough form is clicking that you can take a risk at that bet. Um, when I really, again, if I'm structuring my card in the way where a couple golfers under 40 to one are going to be, you know, my headline selections, I'm going to need to tone it down a little bit as I go deeper down the card. And I have a duo that I was on last week, uh, who I thought showed enough of life that I, I really want to go back in at the similar numbers that they are first off Bryden McPherson at 80 to one. Um, he had an outstanding Thursday, four under par, sat three back of um, Vincent Norman and Nacho after the first day was, you know, his live odds, 28, 33s. And it was like, okay, you know, he hadn't had any OWGR golf events in a three month stretch of time. So to show that life on the first round and then kind of faltered back as the week went Thursday or Friday was really ugly, but it was really ugly for a lot of people that got stuck in that afternoon wave. You saw a lot of golfers going backwards, kind of, kind of, um, putting it back together on their final stretch, which McPherson unfortunately didn't really do. Um, but that number is identical to what, you know, books had him at last week. And I think this event is a decent drop off in field strength at the top compared to what we had. So McPherson would be the first one that I don't want to just put aside after he got, got that rust off. So he would be one. And then the golfer who finished better of the two last week, who just had a steady incline day after day. I thought there was a chance to get him into the places after he was 150 to one last week, the Chilean, um, maybe he's inspired by, you know, Neiman and Mito Pereira at the Olympics, but Hugo Leon will find his way back on my card. Best I could find was a 90 to one steady 14th place finish improved as he went along the week. He did have a scare of the places Saturday afternoon, never really touched inside the top 10, unfortunately, but one little round away from paying off in a big way. Um, so I really think that game, if we mentioned Leon in the past, uh, you know, he was one of the better ball strikers on tour three years ago before he kind of had a falling out on the European tour, didn't kind of get his status back, has kind of been injured, comes back on the challenge tour, misses out, to Marcel Seam, like we talked about last week, and then 14th place finish. That's a strong finish for him. So I'm going to go back to the ball 90 to one for Leon. And the thing with McPherson, like you say, it's the first event he's played in, in a, you know, a long time, an official event. Um, and to show kind of flashes of that straight away, 76th second round. Um, but as I said to you earlier, there was, there was so many bad scores out there, and it wasn't just limited to that one day. I mean, Adam Hill shot 79 on the final day. There was some, just some brutal scores out there, and he shot a pair of 70s over the weekend. Again, not going to set the world alight, but that's, you know, three rounds of 70 or better, far uh, or better on the golf course after a three-month layoff. Certainly encouraging. Um, you know, I think he was, was he top three, he was 21st, he strokes again approach in the field last week, which is fine. Um, his first start back, Hugo Leone, 38th, he strokes again approach, but obviously did it in other ways. Um, and we know he's a, you know, he's a really good ball striker, so that can improve uh, from that number, which it certainly can. Um, then yeah, great. And like you say, it would be, it'd be remiss to, to just jump straight off just because of a couple of, they weren't even bad finishes. They were just not what you had hoped for. Yeah. And that's, uh, like I said, uh, a weaker field, the same number for McPherson, a, a decline deserving. So if you're going to finish 14th, those odds are going to get shrunk a little bit. So yeah, I think it's easily to go back to the well, but very valid points you make from that perspective. Now we kind of turn, I guess, a little bit deeper. Um, 
Uh, there's one more for me. I guess there's a little bit tri over triple digits for the next golfer, but I'll let you intro who you are interested in this range. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got two guys from this way and, and they are just both, like I said earlier, that they're course based really, because although, um, you know, you, you don't want to rely too much on course form. We saw someone like Callum Shinkin last week show that you can come out of form when you, you know, you love a golf course. Uh, Clemens Sorday, who's 17th in strokes game approach last week. Uh, didn't have the best of finishes, but he's a winner on this golf course and he's got a sixth place finished as well. Uh, 34th and 28th in his two most recent starts here. So he's, he's hardly set the world light since that win, but you know, he's he's has won on this golf course. It is a weaker field and he's right there at triple digits. So, you know, I think he was 175 to one this morning. Yeah, and that that course, I guess this course overall has had its fair share of history. Um, for so somebody who's been around the block quite a bit, as Sorday has, you know, getting that, that you know, 2015, 2016 familiarness with success of this course is probably favorable to his return here. The and one he's a that four-time challenge to a winner as well, which yes. you know, when we talk about the field strength, it isn't I don't think it's much above already a challenge to event. Even you look at you, you can probably say that. Um, Armitage, Harding, and Sullivan, you know, uh, are, you know, real European tour guys, stand-up guys, Paramore as well, maybe. Uh, Laurie Cantor, I think the jury's still out. I think that there was, um, you know, some flashes last year, and I think he took advantage of the lockdown. Um, but certainly don't think it's fully fledged as a star in the making just yet. That's why I suppose, would be one of the class players up there as well. But I don't think there's much of a jump, really. Yeah, so that's why you kind of go into those guys. And one golfer that I thought showed a lot of life, of course, in round four, um, closing with, I believe, a 63 was Shubankar Sharma. Um, Sharma is a golfer who probably hasn't followed through on what we would have thought that potential was. Um, I mean, in the thick of it at the WGC Mexico um, that I can really remember vividly after he came off of um, a win on the European tour. Um, so it's been a little bit of, I guess, uh, lack of fulfillment of what a lot of us set out for him, but he finds extremely hot irons. It seems like every other month. Um, and that really came through with that Sunday score, but, you know, totaling up last week, you know, he was second in the field in approach of guys who are playing this week, gaining over seven strokes, the Scottish open. He also gained over a stroke per round, um, there as well. So enough life in, I guess, a last 18 hole sample, plus what we know out of Sharma's, um, kind of upside that possesses him. I definitely think there's enough there at the number versus some of the other golfers he's kind of sprinkled around to give it a shot this week. And, and this is the thing, we, we people go, oh, yeah, he had one good round, it vaults him up position, and it was kind of a false finish, right? But he was actually, I think he was just, just outside the top 20 after two rounds, which is a really bad Saturday to send him back. Um, and like you say, you know, you're, you're not talking about someone who just had one good finish at WGC once, and, and that was it. He he was really, really good for a, for a decent period of time. And I do wonder with these guys, um, you know, obviously being from, from India, whether it's just a case that there's such a limited amount of good golfers from that kind of country. You've had a couple of Arjun Artwell and people like that, that's uh, a But I think that when someone like that comes along, the whole country kind of pins hopes on them. And I think there's a lot of media attention, a bit like Japanese golfers and things like that. You can see the Olympics this week. Um, I just wonder if that kind of thing takes over sometimes. It's probably hard to just, just get on with your golf. Um, I don't know if that's the case. It may just be that he couldn't sustain the form that he was in. Yeah. And it's ultimately, I think the number, you know, seeing still triple digits where again, his finish 32nd, 
you know, last week, but I believe that was the round of the day by two strokes on Sunday. Uh, again, out of contention, nowhere to, to really be uh, looked at, but yeah, I think there's enough in that life where he's shown um, some big time finishes, of course, you know, two-time winner on the European tour. Um, and also what was interesting to me is looking at Nacho's progression, even though he was missing cuts, I mean, not to say that he was anywhere near my radar, but his approach, if you look at those previous two events that he had into leading up to last week, were some of his better numbers of the entire season. Yeah. So again, being let down by short game or, you know, other, but if the one thing that you're going to need to click in order to win is your putter, um, you know, it finally was able to really come through for him. Um, but there was enough life would have been like, okay, you know, maybe the miscuts, you could kind of read through the tea leaves to see something popping for Elvira. And that's what we're trying to do as well for Shibaka Sharp. Yeah, absolutely. And then my last guy really is, it is a complete stab in the dark. I think he's kind of 350 to one over here, maybe 250 to one there. State side is uh, someone that we went to in Kenya was Bernd Rithammer. Um, and, and I went that week based on purely on a, a couple of decent finishes on the Challenge Tour in Kenya. Um, and, and he really did look like he was going to you know, pull off for us. He, he, was, he was right out there for a, a sustained period of time during that week and just fell away uh, on the Sunday. But you know, his course form here is absolutely ridiculous. He's got a second, third, and a fifth. Um, you know, in, in he's three of those starts out of five. So for me, uh, although it's you know he's he's not in form, um, you know he hasn't he hasn't had a real good finish since the 20th Canary Islands. But this is a guy that's won three times on the Challenge Tour. He's he's proven earlier in the year in Kenya that he does go back to golf courses he really likes and can perform well. Um, and the upside is that he's a Challenge Tour winner. And I think, like I said earlier, it's. it's Pretty much a challenge for event, and you're getting kind of 250, 300 to one of that guy that you know can win that level. Um, as I sort of referenced earlier, you know, Callum Shinkwin was just it was just nowhere to be found for for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. I think since he won uh, Aphrodite Hills, and he had a single top ten. So there are guys that just get onto a place, feel really comfortable, and Birmingham should do that to it. Yeah, and it's. I think you have such a an insight. I think also when you look at some of the fields on the courses for these guys, a little maybe when there's lesser uh, talent in the field, I guess a, yeah. a lower field strength. Potentially, that's when these type of vibes will pay off even more yeah. versus you know the best players in the world showing up to the same course over and over again. Whether you're you know you've played it ex- exceptional in the past versus horrific. They are elite golfers in the world um, that can show up no matter the time and place. Um, there was one uh, that kind of stood out. I am not ended up betting him, but I argue with, you know, Santiago Tarrio. If you looked at the, the next informed golfer from um, the challenge toward Daniel Gavins would probably be the next informed one who's coming off of back-to-back top tens, um, just a string of top 25 finishes, I guess, top 26 finishes in um, his last 10 starts. Um, you see Paul Peterson coming back after a yeah. good run on there. I believe, again, the European tour site was a little uh, uh, glitchy for me today, but is Craig Howie in the field? He is. Okay, so Craig Howie is another talented golfer coming up from the Challenge Tour, likely to get a card who has contended actually a little bit on the European Tour. He stands out a little bit for me. Um, we mentioned Josh Geary even last week, um, but uh, I guess also Blake Winfred or, or Windred is somebody who yep. also has a ton of talent, um, is a young 
golfer out of, uh, he's out of New Zealand or Australia, right? Um, yep. Who's got a, a lot of talent and he's part of Niall Horan's uh, club or Modest Golf, who is the sponsors, I believe, of, of this yeah. string of events. So excited for him to get a big shot here. But the one that I'm going to wrap up my card with, it's not Austin Batista. He's, he's <laughs> close, though. He's back in the field. I'll be playing him on DraftKings. But a golfer priced um, in the outright market at the same is Ryan Lumsden. Ryan um, was a golfer out of Northwestern um, who actually showed a decent amount of promise um, winning the Byron Nelson award in 2019. He actually played in the, the AT&T Byron Nelson um, earlier this year on the PGA tour with brutal in it. Don't look at the stats there, <laughs> but, um, but he had a decent career at Northwestern enough to earn that award. Um, and then his professional start when he's gone up in any sort of rankings challenge tour um, mixed event, you know, on the European tour, he played a little bit to end out 2020 hasn't seen that amount of sex success roll over, but what he has really found a liking for recently is the Alps tour back-to-back -back weeks, second, and then a first before that. He also had found a win um, in April on that event um, on the Alps, Sport, Alps Tour as well. So he's two-time winner this year, has won on the Mena Tour as well. Kind of that, you know, we bring off the reference often of Matt Wallace's type of uh trajectory to yep. a, a decent card that gets you up and going. But again, winners on each stage. I am a little taken back that we haven't seen it at all, even in a challenge tour event yet. But again, the value that you get at 230s or even deeper, I think I saw 250s for him, um, is enough for an each way top 10. If you can get double digits, maybe on top 20. I think he's somebody to take a flyer on on the uh, way end of the spectrum this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like we say, there's just guys here that um, it, it's just, it sounds terrible. It's not going to be able to take a lot of winning this week. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that get up in contention and, and sort of trip over themselves. And Ness and Andy Sullivan goes out and steamrolls the field. Ness and Justin Harding goes out and steamrolls the field. Uh, you know, if, if those guys do it, they do it. You know, they're 10, 11 to 1. Um, if you want to double them up with someone in the Olympics you really, really like or, or you know, do something like that, then fine. Um, but you know, certainly for us, in this you know, our our approach to the game is to kind of find these guys and give us a price. You know, we, we've got 70 to 181 golfers and getting a quarter of the odds. I'll take that and try and pin my hopes on the winner. Uh, one guy just before you know, we wrap things up that I, I didn't I didn't pick, um, he's let me down a couple of times in the past and he's kind of never really fulfilled his potential. But that's Matty Baldwin, and um, he's been second on this golf course before, he's had uh, a couple of Top 25, top 26 finishes in the last uh, four starts, ninth on the Challenge Tour, 26th on the BMW International and European Tour. Took back to back top 20s, you know, five, six starts ago. So um, he can he can play really, really well. Um, he does, he's the type of guy that will go five or six under through 10 holes, and you think you've got a great chance, and he suddenly disappears again. But he, yeah, it's just one guy to look at at few consistently possible. Yeah, the last one that I would kind of throw mention to, um, we heard this name, oh, man, it must have been, what, 20, early 2020, I think, either at the Omega or Abu Dhabi, um, but the amateur Josh Hill is making another start on the European tour. Um, I believe he was 15 uh, years old when he won on the Metagolf tour um, as an amateur, had 
two other top 10 finishes in 19. He is only 17 years old right now, but he just came off uh, top 20s at the Amateur Championship in the St. Andrews Lynx. Um, so I guess just would have been a little bit earlier this summer in June for those. So again, a promising career. I do remember him playing against Brooksy in one of those uh, practice rounds, beating him in nine holes. I think he tweeted or Instagrammed it out. Um, you know, Brooks loves practice rounds and taking things serious outside of the golf course. Um, but so that is just kind of a fun thing with Josh Hill, but excited for that. Um, so he's getting another start way down there. He's probably going to be min price on DraftKings. I think he's played um, here twice before, hasn't he? And he was 53rd uh, back in 2019. He shot a second round, six and seven. He blew up in the, in the third round, shot 77. So, you know, he's got the ability, like you say there, very young winner. Um, and, you know, as we say, you know, I don't think it's someone you're going to put your weight behind. I don't think you get excited like he did in the 1500s one shot last week. But he, you know, it's a guy to mention, you know, it, it just is that type of field where there's going to be someone from this uh, 600, 500, 400, your guy uh, Alejandro Toasties down there, you know, there's so He's many good guys down there uh, in these numbers that it really wouldn't surprise me. Tom McKibben's a, a guy that I mentioned before yep. who's going to make waves at some point. Uh, Steely veteran Tom Chargioides down here at 400 to 1. So there's going to be some names that are going to float up the leaderboard that you think, I mean, you've never heard of them or you haven't seen them for 10 years, but... Uh, you know, I think I think that's the theme of the week. Now, um, I think it's you know, with respect to getting into the Olympics, I'd, I'd want to you know, kind of wrap up our European tour side here and then transition over to Tokyo. So, if you don't mind going through your card one more time for everyone, yeah. So, absolutely, I started my card with Santiago Terrio, um, twenty-eight to one, thirty-three to one. I think it was earlier today. Um, you know, just in great form. Uh, I haven't decided about Jack Senior and Richard Mansell yet, but they will kind of feature in some way or another. David Law, certainly for me. Uh, Clemens Sorday and Bern Rickhammer as well. Awesome. I will be going in from the top. We mentioned John Catlin. Um, you know, you can find him around 28s. Santiago Tario with you. Uh, that was 33s. Bryden McPherson, 80 to 1. Hugo Leon, 90s. Uh, Shibaka Sharma was around the 125, 130 range. And then Ryan Lumsden was right around 250s, might even find 300s out there for him. Um, and then as well, this is, I guess, the, the combo event on the ladies' side of it. Do you know, I believe there's two golf courses at this event. I think there is a secondary cut after 54 holes as well, but crowning two separate champions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, a thiathetical who we were both on last week at the Avion championship, um, couldn't really put a string of birdies together on the back nine. She almost had a shot finishing solo, I think solo fifth. Um, so she yeah. had an exceptional week. She is the nine and a half to one favorite over Lee six. Um, so excited for, for the ladies over there for some opportunities as they also, uh, a subsection of the best lady golfers in the world gear up for the Olympics next week too. So uh, with that, let's really go into what we are deeming, you know, the first time, I guess, you know, if we look back on what 2016 was, I feel there's a bit more hype around this Olympics. We're seeing, I would think a little bit stronger of a field. Of course, we've saw John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau both have to withdraw, um, but we are at Kasu, oh man. Kasuma so Gaseki. Yeah, Kasuma Gaseki. I, I think that's how Pat said That's that's decent. You know, I see <laughs> yeah. some claps in the background. So we got this going. Um, so they're gonna be teeing it up there. There is two different 
courses that are on the country club. Um, I believe as we talked this morning, Hideki has won on both of them, uh, but the Japan junior was played on this course. Tom Fazio redesigned par 72, a little bit lengthy, 7,500 yards. You have a couple course comps that you're going to be rolling with this week. Yeah, so I like Firestone. Um, there's a lot of people that sort of think it's a Fazio designer. I think it was actually a Robert Trent Jones, but Fazio certainly he he had a, a course on the Firestone location as well. But certainly seems to have some uh, similar vibes to it. And uh, CPC Southwind as well. Joe Watson on uh, was there. Said that it was very very similar in terms of the heat. Uh, the soil is your grass as well. Um, so for me, if you can look at those two events, I mean, there's one guy that immediately stands out to me in both of those events. That we'll come on to in a minute. But, but that is where I was kind of looking. And I think there was a quote from Fazio that kind of said it was like a, a northeast and Donald Ross track, which would take you to a run meet for the BMW Championship in 2018. Um, and, and there's just been some really, really weird comparisons. I think Finno sort of shouted out kind of uh, Monterey Peninsula. Someone else said Spyglass Hill. So I guess Pebble Beach results would be good. RSM Classic, another Fazio design. So there's so many places. But again, it is just purely guesswork. I think, like you said on this, uh, on just previously, that um, you know these are the elite of the elite, right? I mean, they're all kind of in the same kettle of fish, except for Hideki, who's seen it twice when he was ten years old. Um, so you know, everyone else is going in blind, and talent will take over. Um, so it really is just, you know, I think there is a motivation aspect to it. I think there are guys that are more motivated than others. As we'll come on to in a minute for guys that don't know the military service with some of the, the korean guys and um you know i certainly think some of the the, the british golfers are, are more motivated than others um and, and i think it's the same with the americans as well right yeah that's you know i think we stay in our lane ultimately on our show where we're going to kind of preview who we you know enjoy or, or fancy this week from the main european tour golfers um but yeah I, i'm pretty excited for the week you know i think a lot of us are rooting for um, Siwoo Kim and Sung JM, who, you know, have a lot to be playing for. Very excited for those golfers with a lot of pressure on their shoulders um, for what's ahead. So hopefully we can see them on the podium. Um, I wouldn't be sleeping right on Wednesday if, you know, I didn't have a ticket for both of those guys um, just because we've been waiting. It feels like a half a decade for, for these bets. Um, so I'm excited for both of them. But yeah, as we go really through it, um, yeah, there's just a lot of comps to to your point. I have heard everything under the sun. I feel like at this point on what this course could play like. Um, but you know, I think ultimately it boils down to form. It does boil down to, you know, caring about if you're there to your point, seeing some of the golfers tweet about it. I mean, Tommy's tweet fired me up a little bit today. How excited he, he, he said he's to be at the Olympics. If, you know, you think about, uh, you know, all jokes aside, you think about how much pride Justin Rose takes in the Olympics and how, uh, and I don't know if it's some of it's a bit media and he kind of like lives up to the PR of it and all that sort of stuff, but he Justin does, Rose? Never. Yeah, yeah. Never. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, he loves the MasterCard and loves a bit of cheesecake, whatever. But, you know, he, he I think he is genuinely quite proud of his achievement and I think Tommy Fleetwood is exactly the same. I think he, he's you know, everyone brings up that quote when he was in Scotland. It's you know, being down the rain, everyone he sort of said, I'll play in this, I love it, whatever. So, I think he, he's the guy that will go out there and really, really love it. On the flip side, uh, when they interviewed Roy McRoy, they said, Are you looking forward to playing at the Olympics? And he kind of said, I don't really know what there is to look forward to. And um, he basically feels like he owes you know, Ireland because of missing out, um, uh, in Rio, which is which is sad, really. Um, I, I'd never want someone to feel like they have to go there, um, but. That is what it is. I've, yeah, he could easily go and walk it by five shots. So I'm not going to try and second guess 
uh, one of the best players in the world. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, again, a narrative style betting. You do get four rounds without a cut. So I think it's more likely that the cream rises to the crop or to the top, you know, after having, you know, no really downside to what a, you know, a, a Wednesday night or I guess Thursday 75 may bring compared to, you know, it normally does on a weekend week out basis. I do kind of like the golfers that, you know, went right over there. Again, if you talk about the preparation of Siwoo and Sungjae, you know, they withdrew from the open championship to be there in time. It's gotta be a hard travel for Patrick Reed, Johnny Vegas, Mito Pereira, just finishing up in Minnesota, have you come all the way to Tokyo. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do see another withdrawal or two happen with how the testing protocols are, which I think is more safety on being there earlier. So make sure you're paying attention close to lock. Um, if we really looked kind of running through the board again, I don't want to talk through each of the 60 golfers or else we're going to be here all night long. Um, but you know, at the top of the board, I actually do find some intrigue in Paul Casey at 18 to one. Yeah. Um, he was one of the golfers that when odds were out, when Bryson and John Rahm were in the field, he kind of sat in that same range. You know, he, you know, they, Pat and Jeff did their preview show a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, I think it was on last Friday before either of those withdrawals hit. And they mentioned how Casey was that same number you know, 18 to one on Friday and how it was just too short, but they liked what he was going for. Now you back out those two guys, there's probably a little bit of value in Paul Casey, who arguably is having outside of Morikawa. I mean, I guess, you know, Hideki does have, you know, the masters uh, on his side, but you, you could argue that Casey has the second best year out of any of the golfers teeing it up in Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just playing phenomenally, right? He's just, um, you know, Again, I don't think he's going to be excited as Tommy Fleetwood, but having someone like Tommy Fleetwood in your camp is going to, you know, certainly help, um, you know, and, and he's very much, I think, like the, the Justin Rose profile, um, striking the ball incredibly well, and that's all that really matters, right? He played well in Asia in the past, um, which is obviously, I don't know whether you see that as a big factor, but it's always helpful, um, you know, they can travel. I think the Shadow Creek last year um, is another place that people sort of come to, so... You know, there's certainly some aspects to it. I think the first guy that I sort of came to, and it was mainly because of the, the South Wind and the, the Firestone Conf, was Shane Lowry. Um, you know, it's a guy that we've been talking about for, uh, it feels like, basically since we started his program, you know, on and off for the big events. Um, yeah, and he's just been phenomenal, isn't he? You know, we keep running out of words for him. His approach numbers are great. He keeps popping up in certain events, looked dead at the open a couple of times and, and really bounced back there. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if there's any sort of those points in those TPC Southwinds and the Firestone, and obviously he's a winner at Firestone six or top nine, I think it was at TPC Southwind last year. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that's very, very proud to represent his country. Um, you know, Ireland, you know, with great respect, don't tend to have a, you know, a big pedigree of, of sporting success outside of maybe golf and Padraig Harrington. So they'd certainly like to, uh, to add to their medal count there as well. Yeah. Shane Lowry probably had one of the best back to school Olympics pictures, you know, just <laughs> smiling in his jumpsuit as they all went off. Those are some of the, the favorites that were going around, but yeah, I mean, he's just had a sneaky year. I think is the best way to describe it because he has been rather good um, and not getting, I mean, people are getting paid off on some each ways or top tens, you know, on Lowry's year, but yeah, I think he sits in a sweet spot when it comes to the outright market. Um, as I go in, you guys know I'm going to have a weekly bet on Guido Migliazzi, who's finding himself 
in the 50s to 70s. I actually Not snagged Guido, it. surely. <laughs> I snagged a triple digits the other morning on Guido for the Olympics. I mean, they're just like, here, Skylar, happy Sunday morning to you. <laughs> we know you're going to bet it. Here's a little sweet thank you. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. But yeah, I mean, again, the, the toughest of tests, someone who's excited, someone who now has his roommate, you know, Renato Peratore there with him to play and enjoy, um, you know, they got into Olympic Village or not Olympic Village where they're staying at, I believe last night, we're out on the course today. So yeah, I, I absolutely love going to Guido and he feels like in the range that you're still, you know, can fight for a place, can fight for a victory, you know, ultimately with losing out on Bryson and Rom, it does open the field up a little bit more. Um, and again, he just likes to come off of maybe disappointing weeks and find his best finishes of the year. Both times we've mentioned it where he has cashed the each way tickets have been the longest of ones you've seen in his odds this year have been the ones that he has cashed, you know, the second or top five finishes. So, you know, I have no problem going back to Guido, of course. And again, I, I'm okay at sixties up to, you know, the hundreds that we have, but, you know, hopefully he can find that ball striking short game to have that good mix where he, he can compete with the best in the world. Like we saw at Tory Pines. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was um, a couple, it's, it's tough for me this week because a lot of the guys that I really do like, uh, you know, are PGA regulars, which we don't talk about on here. They, they basically don't exist. Um, just to correct sort of what I'd said earlier about um, Ben Perio um, partnering Ram. obviously Ram's out and it's actually Adrian Alsa he would have been playing with. Um, Adrian Alsa is down there at kind of 200 to 1. Uh, I kind of skipped past him and and a lot of people, as I referenced earlier about CBC Southwind, it was Joe Jenner-Watson that made that comment. Um, and you, you talk about guys in the field that have kind of got experience of playing in this area, right? Well, well Jazz has, you know, spent a long time in the, the Japan tour, a um, couple of top three finishes there. I think he's won five or six times in Asia across the Asian and Korean tour as well. So for someone of his age um, and his kind of profile, I think it could be a really, really good event for him. I don't think people have have missed that. I think everyone's kind of well on board with him, but it certainly helps. He's kind of gone thoughtful, thought about where it sort of correlates to. Seems pretty happy with the conditions and what he likes as well. So I think Judge Jenner Watson could make strides this week. And and for me as well, everybody's going to obviously be talking about Victor Hovland uh, this week, and and rightly so. He is the, the Norwegian golfer of of choice. But Christian Kroger Hansen has very secretly had a you know, massive, massive year. And it's, and it's been coming for a little while. I kind of spoke with uh, a guy that actually manages him or did manage him. And, you know, he's been talking about his talent for an incredibly long time. And it's kind of, sort of coming to the fore now. Um, he probably would have been really good. He probably would have been up there in the betting this week. Uh, he was second in Northern Ireland last year. Um, but he's just been on a tear on the on the challenge. So we're talking about Ben Sario, and he's been pretty much the same. He hasn't got that victory, which is a bit of a stumbling block. And you, you probably won't be seeing him win the Olympic medal this week. He's kind of like 400 to one for like the top. I don't know what the week pay is over there, but you can kind of get six places over here. He's 500 to one for six places over here. So maybe for some of our British viewers, um, they might like that one. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, I kind of thought Fabrizio Zanotti has shown sort of form in these sort of short field events with some strong iron play at times. And otherwise, I think it's going to be like you said, I think it's just going to be the, the, the top of the betting. I think there's a lot of guys there from the PJ Tour that, that really will take the places up. I think two similar bets and um, one I think is, is gaining popularity uh, in 
Hoshino this week, yep. who, if you go with familiarity on the grounds or not even the grounds, but the, you know, the country, the conditions, what it may be, you know, a, a, I think four time winner on the Japan golf tour. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of, of good finishes out of him, of course, popped in the major championships this year with some really good approach numbers. Um, so his number is kind of slashed from the two fifties down to the one fifties with a couple withdrawals, but the other golfer who has a ton of familiarity on on um, Japan golf tour is Sean Norris. Um, you know, we've seen him have, I would say, you know, solid finishes. I mean, if you look, uh, you know, his last victory isn't, um, from, I guess, 2019, he only has one to his OWGR um, name, where, and that was actually on even one of the smaller tours, um, over there. I think that was what the, I think it's called the Abema tour. Um, I don't even know if that's actually in Japan or not, but he plays on the Japan golf tour um, a good amount of time has okay success over there. Second place, three times out ago, he was tuning up at an all pro tour event in the States, not that long ago. So one of the bigger mini tours where he finished third um, in that event, again, going from a mini tour to the Olympics. Um, it's kind of funny to see rooting for him though. I think he makes some promise, but the last one that I would talk about who I feel um, just has a touch of value um, and really shows up in big time courses. I, and I, I say this um, because Mackenzie Hughes had a Q and a um, on his uh, Twitter on his flight over. And he said a little bit of Riviera comps um, would be the way he sees the course. I actually think Hughes is very live um, this week with the way he showed up in yeah. majors. Um, but sticking for our European tour guys, Riviera always sticks out in my head as the best finish we've, pretty much seen stateside out of Thomas Peters. Um, you know, Peters is a golfer who shows up when it matters the most masters, of course, whether they're us open through 54 holes. I, I honestly thought he had a real chance to win that event. Um, he's a golfer who I think ultimately probably should have capitalized on a few more, um, you know, victories, I guess he only has four to his name, but just steady finishes recently, but his off the tee game is spectacular. So on tree line courses with some thicker rough, like it's going to be, if he can take advantage with his distance, um, I actually think that's a really strong opportunity for him. I know there was a debate on the Belgian bombers between D tree and, um, Peters for Pat and Jeff, but I think there's a clear one a to the one B in Peters for me. So you can find Peters, I guess, you know, he was closer in the 70 range, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook this week. So, uh, he would be my last selection. So that kind of rounds out our thoughts there for the Olympics. So fun week overall, you know, excited for both of them. DraftKings contests are boosted for the Olympics, but they have just been posted as well for the European tour. So any other last thoughts for you, Tom? No, I think that's kind of it for me. I think it kind of sums up pretty well. As I say, we, there's a couple of guys that we will both like. Mackenzie Hughes was one of them, but that's not the point of the show, right? You know, we can we can discuss those with other people. Um, but yeah, I, I think it it's really tough for the Olympics. I think to get excited, one about the whole Olympics as a whole in general. I think it was a really uh, disappointing opening ceremony, for example. I haven't watched a single minute of the Olympics. We won like five golds today, so I think that the interest is pretty low in it due to COVID. I think the golf interest is kind of low on it, and we 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 try and build up with content and get excited about it, um, and and it will be. We'll, we'll watch it if it's on, and we can catch it. It just depends on timing and things like that. But uh, you know, it's a sixty-man field, and and half of the guys that are in it are already out, and maybe 20, 30 guys can't actually play golf. So it's 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 a tough you know tough sled 
Um, we'll see. We, we'll, hopefully, it comes back because it would be a shame to lose that spot in the Olympics as a goal, as a as a sport because it seems like it's something that took a really long time to get into Olympics, and then if it kind of blows its chance by being really boring for for two you know two years, um, maybe they need to mix up the format. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we do see an awesome finish and, and an opportunity of golfers. I mean, we haven't talked to Rory Sabatini yet in his, uh, you know, venture. Well, he's a Euro guy now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I guess, <laughs> guess you can talk about, about him in that sense. But yeah, no, I'm really hoping for a fun week on that because to your point, you know, I, I think um, I, I, I love the Olympics. I enjoy, you know, watching swimming. You know, I've had fun, you know, watching the basketball team not show up um, yesterday morning. You know, we've had, if you watch handball, you know, I think there's just random things that we get excited about for the first time in five years um, that we get to watch and, but hopefully golf, you know, can bring some light and, and, and be a strong finish to show the lights and the ladies side of it should be spectacular oh, the following week. So excited to, to really get into that too, but no, that puts a bow on our week. Remember, if you prefer the audio side of our shows, you can subscribe to us at any of the platforms at daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix Pat has a ton gearing up for football this coming season his show or his new site run the sims um, is getting live now so please feel free to sign up for that if you enjoy um, the statistical side of diving into it yes amen yep i'm gonna end it on that so because we don't know uh that side of it but hopefully we'll be coming back next to you or next week with you another golf winner for our show for everyone here this week thank you again and best of luck